One of the fun things about helping uh, take care of kids, little kids, and yes, that's a commercial to volunteer in the nursery and kids worship, uh, is the thrill of discovery that you get to watch as kids. Everything is new to them, right? And it's fun to see how much joy that brings to them. For instance, there are some videos of kids trying things for the first time. Maybe you've seen this one of a little guy trying bacon for the first time. Every young man's most important experience, right? And then here's another one here of a little girl. After her first taste of pizza, <laughs> she breaks into praise. The third one here is this little girl discovering ice cream for the very first time, ice cream. Three of the best things in life right there. And uh, those kids love it. And that's part of what's so fun, uh, watching kids. We lose some of that joy of discovery as we get older. Life changes. There's a big difference between going to the mailbox where you're expecting to find bills or going to or waiting on the, uh, the UPS guy to deliver your brand new computer. There's a big difference between those two things. In many ways, we lose that sense of adventure that kids have. Seeing things online has helped us to experience things vicariously instead of really doing them ourselves. And I fear that we, in a treasure hunt now, we, we get the treasure and we skip the hunt. And we lose some of that adventure. When you go planning to see a movie and a friend of yours has already seen the movie and they start to tell you about the movie, oh, let me tell you about the movie. If this happens and this happens and you're going la, 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 you don't want to hear it, right? Why? Spoiler alert. You want the surprise. You're not going to the movie to have it reviewed. You want to go and be surprised. There's an adventure there. I want to tell you this morning that every person watching this online, here in person, everybody here has the opportunity to be a part of what I consider to be a big adventure. Not just to watch it, but to be a part of it. And I'm talking about life in the body of Christ, the way it is here and now. That is part of the joy of following Jesus, being a part of his church, and it is an adventure. We get to be a part of a big adventure. It's been that way from the beginning. I don't think in the early church, which we're looking at again this morning, that there were people who were bored. At least that's not the impression that I get as I read through the book of Acts. And so why are some people shifting into neutral when they walk into a church building? My last year at Ozark Christian College, William Lown wrote a book called The Church Bored, B-O-R-E-D. And just the cover said it all. He was writing this book to fight against the lost sense of adventure that a lot of Christians fall into. I got online. Did you know that within two hours of here, there are at least three churches named Adventure Christian Church? That's one way of keeping it in front of you, isn't it? And I'd like to do this same kind of thing today, not change our name, but I want us to see that life in Jesus is an adventure when we don't let the newness wear off. I'm advocating for that this morning. And to help us remember it, we're going to look at just a few verses, starting where we left off last week, book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Tom's right, we're looking at especially chapter 2, verse 42. 
He said, I hope I'm not stealing any thunder or anything from your message. I said, hey, whatever you say in that meditation, it's just going to be repeating good things. So Acts 2, verse 42 especially is what we're looking at this morning. Remember in verse 41, we left off, it was Pentecost Day, the Jewish holiday Pentecost. The church began, the birthday of the church. 3,000 people become Jesus' followers on that first day. Verse 42 is the next day or weeks. It's sometime right after that. And so far, what we get to see of the church is kind of like those baby pictures that they take in the hospital of a brand new baby. Right after it's born, someone shows you that picture of that brand new baby. Oh, look at the little baby. Look at the picture of that little baby. (laughs) And you look at that picture and go, yeah, that's a baby, right? No, he doesn't look like his father. He he looks more like Winston Churchill, but pink and wrinkly, you know, without the cigar. So a simpler version of this new developing entity, the, the baby picture is what we get here in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Literally it says, to the teaching of the apostles and to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. Those are four very specific things that the church was doing. And remember, as we look at this, the church is a baby here. And it's just getting started doing some of the essential things, figuring those out. It's not grown up yet into auditoriums with flashing lights and smoke and praise bands. Hasn't happened yet. But the church is growing like crazy. I want to look at a little bit further on, actually, in chapter 4, Verses 32 through 35, because these are a repeat, almost exactly, of what's going on just before that. Chapter 4, start reading in verse 32. Let me try getting the right book. (laughs) It was in there this morning, there we go. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. I'll tell you one thing I like is what I'm not reading here. What I'm not reading is any mention of church hopping, armchair quarterbacks, or inactive members, whatever that is. It's not there. Those things aren't the picture in the church when it's a little baby, when it first starts. But take a minute and consider what is mentioned here. There's this quick view of the baby church. For one thing, I see unity. Did you see that? Verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. There's a unity in the church. Verse 43, they had amazement, awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. These people were amazed. Verses 45, 46, the church had community. 
They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47 tells us there was an abundance also of grace, that these people were praising God and having favor, having grace with all the people. Once in a while, I get a kick trying to imagine what life must have been like for the early pioneers as they pushed westward to develop the United States and loaded up everything they had. Those early pioneers, can you imagine it? Traveling to some place that you have never been, you couldn't look it up on the internet, braving the winter, relying on your ability to hunt and eventually to farm in order to survive. All of the things you own in this world loaded onto a covered wagon. Off you go into a wilderness full of danger. I would call that an adventure. Part of what makes an adventure an adventure is that new ground that's being covered. Going to a place where people just haven't been before. Imagine what it must have been like those few days in the church as it just got started. These people were stepping into new ground. There's a in the church, there's this new place of worship. There is a new way of meeting needs. There is a new message to be repeated. There is a new authority that's behind that message. And there's this new practice, which you and I just practiced a little bit ago, the Lord's Supper. All of these things, brand new. Adventure is an appropriate word. For those first Christians, the church really was an adventure. It was all new. I really like the movie Apollo 13. I think that movie does a great job of capturing the sense of adventure those men were facing. And let me tell you how it ends. No, I'm not going to do that. Three men strapped to the top of a rocket. They're over 100 feet above the ground, ready to be launched into air through which there has never been a previous journey. Their goal is to reach the moon and land on it, and walk on it. No one knows exactly for sure how it's going to go. By the way, the, the Apollo 13 mission proved that. There are a lot of variables at play. Two of the astronauts, the movie shows this, two of them have wives who are seated in the stands, watching from the stands, and as that rocket clears the tower, lifts into the atmosphere and out of sight, they break into convulsive sighs of relief and joy and fear, all at the same time, all mixed up. What an adventure as their husbands launched off into space. Did you know this past Thursday, the SpaceX company test launched the largest rocket ever built, the Starship, 394 feet long, launched into the atmosphere, a $3 billion fireworks display. Eventually, they say, about this particular structured rocket, it will be able to transport 100 people at one time into space. Wow. That sounds like an adventure to me. But did you notice that, if you're like me, you didn't even really know that was coming up? Yeah, there's some people going off into space. Kind of sounds like we've lost some of the adventure to me. 
I notice also that something happens to us in the church. We start out into this big adventure. It's certainly a big adventure as it begins, but we have this tendency to lose our sense of newness. We have this tendency to lose our sense of adventure. There's a guy in California who said coffee was always served at our church after the sermon. One Sunday, our minister asked one of the smaller members (laughs) of the congregation if he knew why we had coffee hour. Without hesitating, he said, to wake people up before they have to drive home. (laughs) Paramedics answered a call in a church congregation last week. A man had collapsed in his seat and died there in the church building. And they had a really hard time because they carried out four people before they found the right one. (laughs) Ooh. You see, the only reason stories like that are kind of funny is because there's a thread of truth in them too, isn't there? What happens to our sense of adventure about being in the Lord's church? Verse 43. Luke records there, there was this sense of awe in the church. Not awe, awe. Literally the word means fear. A result of the miracles that were happening through the apostles, God was reinforcing the message. What, does God want us all scared? Or could it be that he wants for his church to be this ever-unfolding sense of adventure? But we lose that. Why? We recently offered a a new membership class. We called it the membership class uh, here at Central. And it's an offshoot of our Thrive Discipleship Task Group, one of the things we're working to do to make disciples is talk about membership here at the church specifically. And the broad goal is we want to make membership here at Central Christian Church something of substance, something that matters, a covenant, to be an active part of the adventure here. We want everyone to understand that becoming a member of the Lord's church and of his church here at Central Christian Church isn't just some formality. It's part of being a family and going on a journey together, an adventure There's got to be more than just showing up to worship together for you to be part of an adventure. You know, if our goal was just to get warm bodies in a building every week, to have a church event and then declare it good based on how many people showed up, if that was our goal, well, we've missed the boat. You know, I've noticed since it opened a few months ago that the casino down the road gets people to show up there regularly. Folks, the Chicago Cubs get people to show up by the thousands. And I'll bet you one Sunday if we offered free beer and hot dogs here, we could get people to show up. But those people would all be spectators, wouldn't they? They wouldn't be part of an adventure. The goal at those places is to get people to show up and get their money. That's the goal. That's not what we're about. There is a difference between attendance at an event and coming to be a part of an adventure together. I'm pretty sure that one way not to lose that sense of adventure with the church is to become an active part of what's going on. Next Sunday, yep, here it comes, Go Sunday. What does Go stand for? 
Go. That's what it stands for. We're going to show up. We're going to go. We're going to go out into our community. We're going to meet. We're going to have a very brief time of worship. We're going to serve in the community. Some of you signed up for this thing called a prayer walk. What on earth was Brian Roder talking about? I don't know, but I'm signing up and I'm going to go, right? It'll be an adventure. It'll be new ground for you. It'll be a time to participate in something as a church family, something more than just show up, but show up and do this together. So if you're here this morning, if you're watching this morning, and you're not part of the church family here, I want to invite you to something. I want to invite you to have one heart with us. I want to invite you to stand in wonder at God with us in awe. I want to invite you to share all things with us. I want to invite you to meet Jesus if you haven't done that. By whatever way we can get you to meet him. I want you to come and see this. Like some of the first apostles said, come and see Jesus. And after studying this passage, I believe that life in Jesus is a wonderful adventure if, if we don't let the newness wear off. So what will help us keep that sense of newness as a Christian. I'm glad that you asked that, that sense of adventure. This is the take it home with you part. In his book some years back called Turnaround Churches, George Barna discusses the typical life cycle of church congregations. Usually, get this, usually churches peak after 20 or 30 years of existence. That's the norm. And then they either maintain or decline from there. The odds of turning that cycle around from a church that is in decline to a church that is thriving and doing well, based on what has happened historically, those are not very good odds. So I find myself asking, what will help us, Central Christian Church, not to just become another statistic? What will it take? What will help us keep our sense of newness in the Christian adventure. I've, I've seen some churches try different things. I always enjoy uh, driving through Missouri. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's I-44 going through Missouri and all the billboards and things. But there are some really, really trendy church names along the highway. I saw a couple guys, uh, Christian broadcasters, who had a contest with somebody else, and they said, all right, we're going to read you this name, and you tell us, is it a church or is it a marijuana dispensary? <laughs> and you know what? They had a really hard time guessing. There are some really trendy church names. Some of the things that churches try to keep that newness are corny, frankly. Some of them are just off the rails. But when I look at Luke's description of the church here in early Acts, as it was brand new, I don't see a church that's just trying to be trendy, or a church that's corny, or a church that's just gone off the rails. What I do see are three ways that newness was continuing. Maybe they're what we need to. Here's one. I've already talked about it. The church was treading on new ground. New ground. Just as surely as Lewis and Clark were discovering a new untapped American West, the early church was treading new ground. There was a new sense of oneness. There was this new practice to commemorate Jesus. There was a new Savior to get to know. There was a new authority in the apostles. There was even a new way to meet together and to worship together. Did you notice where the early Christians met besides the temple? Houses. 
No wonder there was a sense of awe and excitement. So many things they were doing were different from what they had done. And in some ways, the church needs to tread, I think, on some new ground to keep a sense of newness and adventure. But I know as soon as I mention treading on new ground in the church, you're immediately running the risk of sounding like you're walking away from the things that should never change. And that's not what I'm talking about. Go back with me to the early 1500s. Here's an example. To a German monk named Martin Luther. <clears throat> Martin Luther was radical. Martin Luther introduced doctrines that were completely new to the people of his day. What led Martin Luther to these radical conclusions? What led him to do the crazy things he was saying that Christians should do? What had he done? He read the book of Romans. That's where he got his new ideas. He found that the ancient path of salvation by grace through faith had become overgrown, had been derailed by a corrupted church, and he pointed to that old doctrine, and he helped start an entire reformation that renewed a misguided church. Sometimes the new ground that you need to walk on isn't really new at all. Is there even really such a thing as new ground? It's been there a long time. It's simply a rediscovery of the old ground that's been neglected, like King Josiah. You need to take off that old book that somebody found and blow off the dust and take another look at it and realize, oh, that was there all that time. It's amazing how new truth can seem. So on a backpack trip in Colorado when I was a high schooler, we packed in for a day, we set up camp, everything that we needed we packed in, so we went in several miles to some of the remote area of the Rocky Mountains. It's beautiful. It's about 11,000 feet. We were going to live there for close to a week, and I love being in places like that where there have been very few people or very little evidence of few people, no traffic, no trash. Very few signs of those visitors. And one of the excursions we went on, uh, we encountered the remains of an old silver mine. There are a few of those around the Rockies. And I got a picture of it, just like you would see in those old Western movies. There were huge timbers holding up things. There was this huge cable that went up the side of the mountain to some kind of a pulley from the entrance of a shaft in the side of the mountain. At the bottom, there was a sluice, and here were these huge boilers made out of cast iron and, and a steam engine and stuff like that that drove all of these works. All of that stuff piled there in the mountains from over 100 years before. And I was suddenly struck with the fact that this new place that I was discovering <laughs> wasn't new. Somebody had been there before, many years before, in fact, I wonder to this day, how on earth did they get all this stuff in there? But you know what? I wasn't disillusioned when I realized there had been a lot of people there. It may not have seemed as new to me, but it sure wasn't any less of an adventure to me. Picture the eagle landing on the face of the moon. Picture Armstrong stepping onto the lunar surface 
the first man to step down, and he looks down, and oh, there's a McDonald's wrapper on the ground. <laughs> Bummer. When we discover that the trip we're making isn't the first time that trip's been made, what we can do is learn from and learn about the people who have made the trip before us. What did they discover? What have they learned that we now can appreciate and learn from? And we walk down these old paths with that attitude, suddenly church history comes this whole new adventure. There are some incredible stories out of church history. I talk about Andy, my son, the church history nerd. He, he comes up with these stories from church history all the time, things I've never heard of. Very interesting. And we could tread on that new ground that others walked centuries ago. Old truths can be rediscovered. Maybe what we need to do is, is discover a new attitude towards the Lord's Supper because we've allowed our attitude towards that old thing to become old. Maybe it means being radical enough to see that everyone's physical needs are met in the church like the early church did. Or maybe treading new ground means we get into areas of our community and we rub elbows with people that we ordinarily wouldn't even talk to or meet. Maybe Go Sunday will help us do that next week. We need to tread some new ground, amen, to regain some of the newness in our adventure. New ground. Here's something else. The people were showing new ownership. People of the early church were investing themselves in that church. They had a kind of ownership of something new. They were selling not only the things that they owned, but the things that they were acquiring, and then they would come and meet others' needs with the money that they got from those things. That's a new ownership. I've often said that money is coined life. And what you do with your money represents what you do with those hours of life that you, you spent to earn the coin. You can't get it back. And what you do with that is what you're doing with your life. When the people of the church gave it to be used by the church, they were investing their lives into the church. Their self-investment was a way of participating in the adventure. Of course they'd be involved in it. They had put their treasure into it. And if your treasure is put into something, what will follow? Your heart. It was Jesus who said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. People of the church need to have ownership of its vision, of its benevolence, of its outreach, of its worship. We can't just pay a staff person to do it. We can't just let the 20% of the people of the church carry the load. Ownership happens when the other 80% of the church family invest themselves into this vision of the whole. That's what we mean when we talk about taking stock. There needs to be some new ownership in the church to regain some of the newness in the adventure. If you've lost some of that sense of adventure, let me invite you to take more ownership. Invest yourself into the church. Here's something else they had. They entered into new relationships. Here in Acts 2, I see a group of people who are more than a club. It is more than an event. We use this word, and it's right to use it. They were a community. Their new relationships in Jesus went beyond their previous relationships. The new relationships in Jesus go beyond that. It wouldn't be long before those new relationships, by the way, would cross over racial barriers. 
and we cross over, cross over geological barriers and cross, cross over cultural barriers that had been in the way for many, many years. They were together, it says. They had single-mindedness. They were eating meals together. They were meeting where? In one another's houses. They were involved in one another's lives. They were in each other's business. Being part of the adventure means we're building relationships with each other. I hope that you're okay with that because that's just part of being in the church. We can't expect the church to remain an adventure, by the way, if the only way, the only level at which we know each other is a handshake and a greeting on Sunday morning. It's got to go beyond that. There's not a whole lot of adventure in a handshake. Well, actually, you can, you can change it up. You can fist bump. That's about as far as that goes, isn't it? Learning about each other, spending time in one another's houses, serving alongside each other, learning how to put up with each other, mm -hmm. being there for each other when there's a crisis, being there together to celebrate times of joy. Now that's an adventure. You're saying, well, that sounds like being in someone's family. Exactly. I know it's not the trend of our culture for people to actually nurture meaningful relationships and to be around one another just for the joy of sharing life together. And by the way, that's another reason for the church to do it. So why does all of this matter? I'm glad that you asked that. Here's why. Because Jesus loves the church. Because Jesus is counting on you and me. Because life in the church is a great adventure if you don't let the newness wear off. Helen Keller, remember her? Born blind and deaf, grew up blind and deaf, wrote this. Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Pretty strong words for somebody for whom every step is a big adventure. Psalm 51. David is in the throes of repentance. He has been confronted with his very serious sin, and he is repenting of it before God, and he pens Psalm 51. He admits that what he has done is wrong. He accepts the blame for what he has done. He says to God against you, you only have I sinned. And near the end of that psalm of repentance, he prays this to God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Shouldn't we expect that sometimes as a church family, as a member of a church family, we'll need to pray a prayer something like that, Lord, please, I've allowed being a part of your body to become too common to me. Please, please, restore to me that joy. Restore to me the sense of adventure what it means to be a part of your family. By the way, if you're not a part of that adventure yet, today is a perfect day to get on board with that. And I know that means different things to different people who are listening, who are here. For some of you, that might mean, okay, I need to take a baby step 
I need to get just a little bit deeper into the church. And, and that means stepping up, doing some more, investing myself in some way, becoming more a part of what's going on in the church. It also may mean for the very first time in your life that you're going to take the big step, that you're going to accept Jesus as Lord in your life, that you're going to cross over from death to life. That's how Jesus described it. <laughs> I just remember in the uh, very first episode of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as, as uh, Frodo and Sam are about to leave the Shire, and they reach the limit of the Shire, the line, if you will, and they're about to step over, Sam pauses for a moment of reflection, and, and Frodo asks him what's wrong, and he says, I just realized when I step over this, I will have gone to a place I've never gone before. Something like that. That's what we're inviting you to do this morning. If you have never said out loud and, and followed through with, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you have never done that, you've got an opportunity today to step across a line that you have never crossed before. And Jesus says, by the way, when you do that, don't look back. That's what you're, you're being invited to today, that kind of an adventure. You notice the kids are coming in from kids' worship. Here's something that's going to happen here this morning. We've already, we know ahead of time uh, that we've got a person, Wyatt Maceman, who's going to be baptized into Christ today. So Wyatt's going to take that big step. He's going to take the big plunge, literally. And he's going to be baptized into Christ. He's going to start a brand new life today. Isn't that great? Um, Lang is going to be baptizing him. Is that right, Lang? All right. So that's going to be happening here in just a moment. And uh, we get to be witness to that. So that's already a good day. Um, but it doesn't have to be the only person who makes that choice today. Anybody who is ready to become a follower of Christ, this could be you. And so this morning, if you're ready to make that choice... I'm going to invite you to come on up here. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment. And while we're singing this song together, if that's the decision that you want to make, will you please come meet me right here and talk to me about your relationship with the Lord. And let's, let's get this done. Let's start the adventure, all right? Maybe you need someone to pray with you. Maybe you're just facing discouraging times and you could use an arm around you, some encouragement. Uh, that's what this time is for, too. It's not a... It's not a, a shameful thing. It's simply saying, I'm here. This is a group of people who seem to care, and I could use some of that care. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you to come while we're singing this song. Let's stand up together. We'll pray. Uh, we'll let our worship team get up here, lead us in a song, and uh, we're going to be getting ready then also for uh, Wyatt's baptism. Father, thank you for this simple snapshot of the early church, of those thousands of believers who were doing something brand new, who had that sense of awe and excitement and adventure about them, even as they treaded into very dangerous places with this new faith. Father, I pray that some of that newness can be regenerated in us, that you will help us to never lose the childlike wonder of discovering new things in our life in you. Thank you today, Father, that uh, we have an opportunity to make these decisions. You've waited another day. You've given each of us that are here right now life again. 
giving us this opportunity, and I pray that it won't go to waste. Father, there are others here today who need to make this choice of beginning life in you. Will you please now let your word find its mark and do its work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.